Does your faith need building up this morning? Are you in need of encouragement today? If so, the Psalms is a good place to go. A regular intake of the Bible from the book of Psalms will help us. It will help build our faith and help encourage us in times of discouragement. You know, it's a collection of 150 different prayers and poems and songs that have been inspired by the Spirit of God that helps individuals and communities, cor- corporate gatherings and congregations and churches uh, have a, a praise and an adoration to God. When we sing songs together about praising our God, it is certainly encouraging to us both individually and corporately. So it builds up our faith and it gives us great encouragement. Perhaps you've noticed before that the book Uh, of the Psalms is divided into five subsets. They're called book one through five. Maybe you've recognized that before. The first 72 of the Psalms are what is called book one and two, and they are much about David's life. Now, if you're ever in a place, a dark place, in a hurting place, in a sorrowful place, sick place, a depressed place, That's the section you can go to because David experienced much of that. And by the movement of God in his heart, he just really uh, expressed all of those emotions as raw as they are. He's expressing them to God. And typically there's some that I will read and say, wow, I can't believe that that God would give us such in-depth insight to this man's heart because he's really wrangling with a lot of different emotions. But David always circles back to the true essence of God and the character of God. And he says, even though I'm feeling all these things, this is what I know about God. And how God is is perfect in all of his ways and righteous. I'm very much given to that section when when I'm in need. Uh, Maybe you're the same way. David is in that section of the, the third book expressing laments and disappointments because he really had real hopes for his son, the successor of the throne, that he would lead in righteousness, that he would lead in the way of God. But, of course, Solomon did not do that. And uh, there's a real heartbreak in that third book from 73 through 89. And there's a, a sense in the, in the middle and end of that section of the, of the Psalms that there's an anticipation of a greater salvation, of a greater leader, a greater king to come. And it's building that in us. That If we're looking to the son of a man, then we're looking in the wrong direction. What we need is the son of God who will provide ultimate salvation for us, which moves us into the fourth book. Because in the fourth book, it recognizes from all the way back in the history of Moses and Ford, it recognizes where the true Uh, Messiah will come and and what he will accomplish and what he will do and how he will be the fulfillment of all the promises of God. And it's from that section, the fourth book of the Psalms, that we have some of our most favorite Psalms. If you've been given to praise God from the Psalms, if your prayers are in the Psalms and they are given to rejoicing in who God is and what he is accomplishing, then you're probably hanging out in that fourth book of the Psalms. Like, here's some of those. I'm just going to flash them on the screen as I read them. 
He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. What an amazing verse that is, an encouraging verse, that those of us who dwell in Christ will have the shelter of God the Most High, and we are in His shadow. In, in other words, we are in His proximity. He is drawn near to us, and we, of course, are near to him. How about the 95th Psalm? Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Or the 96th Psalm. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. 98, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. 100, make a joyful noise to the Lord. All the earth, serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. One of my favorites, Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Or how about Psalm 105? Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all of his wondrous works. That section of the Psalms are just rich, aren't they? One more, 106. This kind of gives the, the uh, crescendo, if you will. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. That's a repeated theme throughout this section of the Psalms in that fourth book. His steadfast love endures forever. You can see from that fourth book that the Psalms proclaim the goodness of God. And as they proclaim the goodness of God, we can deepen in our faith. And we can deepen in our praise. That's what the writer is doing. He's expressing great faith and great praise to God. And then finally, the fifth book, Psalm 107 all the way through 150, is this apex of the Psalms. It's the swelling energy and expression of gratitude to God. It's the praise that is just rolling in a crescendo way so that you're getting to the heights because you have all the, the promises of God and the redemption of the Messiah that is certain and in this section, we read about the victorious Redeemer and all that that will provide. We recognize in these psalms that God is steadfast in his love. Man, I can't tell you how grateful I am for the steadfastness of God. How about you? That enduring love of God, that long-suffering of God, meant he had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to walk away from me as I was pulling away from his way into my own way, as I was dwelling on the thoughts of the world rather than the thoughts of God, he had every opportunity to back away from me. But God's steadfast love and enduring love is good. And we recognize in this section of the Psalms his word is glorious. We can't live without his word. And when we do live in his word, our life is lived gloriously. The largest of all the Psalms, 119, is in this section. It's just over and over and over about God's glorious word. We recognize in these Psalms that God is offering deliverance and hope to us and that he is restoring and healing the brokenhearted. This is part of our reason for praising our God. It's no wonder the Psalms come with this climatic reprisal of praise psalm 147 praise the lord for it is good to sing praises to our god 
Psalm 148, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Psalm 149, praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembling of the godly. Which moves us right to today's text, Psalm 150. Which just continues in that same vein of praising the Lord. So let's focus on that together. Take your Bibles and let's read God's word together. And I know it's in the handout. And most of what I'm going to present to you in the scripture today is going to be on the screens, but not all of it. So you want to have your word close by. Let's read it together. Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud crashing cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's pause and pray. Nothing, no one is worthy of our praise like you, Father. We acknowledge you. We acknowledge your great name, Yahweh. We acknowledge your Son who has demonstrated you to us in the flesh, Jesus. And we acknowledge your Holy Spirit who is ever much alive in those who have faith in you who sent your Son. We bless you for his presence. We bless you for his instruction and guidance and wisdom and recall that is given to us from your word. And we pray that we would be very receptive to him as we talk about your word today. May Christ be exalted and glorified and may his name be praised among the people in this place. In his holy name we gather and pray. Amen. Now I want to mention a few points to you today. They're for you in the handout so you can follow along if you'd like. Make some notations along the way. We're just going to kind of break apart the, verse, the verses of this psalm and think about them with you for a moment. First of all, it's pretty simple. Let our praise be to the Lord. Uh, you, you're going to have a lot of praise in life, but he's saying in this psalm, let your praise be to the Lord. Now, this is a repetitive theme in this 150th psalm. In fact, in these short six verses, he mentions praise the Lord 13 times. 13 times he's repeating to us in six verses to praise the Lord. Not just praise, but praise the Lord. It's absolutely essential that we learn to praise the Lord, that we be quick to praise the Lord. Now, I don't know if you feel like it or not today, but we're going to all speak a little Hebrew today. You ready? Uh, in the Baptist church, you can speak in different tongues, yes. We're going to speak in Hebrew today. So get ready, choir. Here it is. Ready? Hallelujah. Oh, proficient in Hebrew, aren't you? Hallel in Hebrew means praise. Yah is the short, uh, short version of the word Yahweh, God's revealed nature, his name. So Hallel, praise Yah, praise God, praise the Lord is what he's saying. When you're singing hallelujah, or when you say hallelujah, you're giving a specific direct direction of praise to God, to the Lord. So when we say hallelujah, 
We're saying praise the Lord. Now, I think what the psalmist is saying here, you and I are missing out on some. When you see the sun rise and it prompts something in you like what Paul was writing in Romans 1 and you just have to give acknowledgement to the creator. You have to thank him. You have to think about him and you have to praise him. Some of your words ought to be hallelujah, praise the Lord. Is hallelujah in your vocabulary? Are you praising the Lord? Oh, now sometimes I say wow. Sometimes I might even say, oh my, would you look at that? But really, what ought to come out of me, what ought to come out of you is an understanding that God alone is being gloriously declared and we ought to say, hallelujah, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And when you see a baby born and you hold that little one in your arms, it ought to be hallelujah. And when your days are good and when your days are bad, it ought to be hallelujah. It's a great expression, hallelujah. Now, sometimes we sing, as we did today, hallelujah. And you might think, well, who dropped the H? That's a good question. But it's actually in the the movement from one language to our English language. When we're transliterating the word in Hebrew, hallelujah, we're transliterating it in English, it's with the H. And when you're translating from the Latin, which much of, of our songs obviously are sung in English, and you're moving it from Latin to English, it's hallelujah. But it's the same word, same meaning, praise the Lord. Let it be on our lips. Let it be consciously on our heart. And let it be the expression, hallelujah. Now, we, we have reason to give hallelujah, don't we? Praise to God. We have reason. And the Psalms, uh, the other 149, point out those reasons. I just circle back through the Psalms this past week, just looking through them real quick to see what he's identifying. The psalmist is identifying for us to give praise to the Lord. And no wonder he tells us over and over and over to praise the Lord. First, you praise him because he's the creator. I've already mentioned Romans 1. This is the fault of the world. From the very beginning, those who see creation and don't give God credit for that, aren't thankful to God for being the creator. When, when you back out of that, there is a whole series of answers that come that are false in your life. And they set you up for false worship and false religions and false gods and false life and uh, misdirection from the way of God. The very beginnings, the basics is of our faith. To understand that there is a God who has created all things and we ought to be thankful for him. If you're in school and you're hearing people say to you that there is no God who has created, you know that that person is telling you a lie. And they're leading your mind and your heart away from God. You just echo in your own thoughts in that moment. Oh, there is a God and he is a creator and he told us how he created all things. And I give him glory for that. I give him thanks for that. And that moves me to understand him more. Last night as I was, this is going to sound odd, putting the ducks up. It's true. (laughs) And in the mornings when I go put the ducks out, Kay cracks up every time I say, I've got to go let the ducks out. She starts singing in her mind, who let the ducks out? (laughs) But anyway, 
how I digress. Last night I was putting the ducks out. It was absolutely beautiful, clear skies. I have to put them, put them up, excuse me, last night because the raccoons love ducks more than I love ducks, and they will eat those things. So I'm putting them in their pen last night. The stars were absolutely majestic, and it caused me to say, Oh, God, hallelujah to you. And this morning as the sun was rising and I was letting the ducks out, Oh, God, hallelujah to you. As I was standing out front greeting some of you today, oh, I was excited to see you, but I wanted that sunshine. I wanted that clear sky in my sight. I wanted to be out there because it draws me to think of our majestic God. So the psalmist says from the very beginning, that we praise the Lord because he is creator. And we praise him because he is redeemer. He is righting everything that sin has broken in this world. He is going to make all things new. We praise him for he is the righteous judge who is full of glory. That he is the sovereign. He is the wise one. The perfect one to give law. He is merciful. He is loving. He is sacrificial. He is with us. He is trustworthy. He is our guidance. He is our help in trouble. He is our hope. He is our peace. He is our Father. He is the Son. He is the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So you just build in your recognition of who God is and you express. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So let our praise be to the Lord. For everything is made to give him glory. No one has provided for us like our Lord has. All right, secondly, we praise the Lord and then we understand from the psalmist of 150, let the praise to God fill the church and fill beyond the expanse in the heavens. So he says in the, first, uh, the latter part of verse 1, praise the Lord in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens. Now, the psalmist is most likely speaking of the temple of God when he speaks of the sanctuary of God. It was the place of worship. It was the place of worship for Israel, and it was the place of worship for all the nations who were willing to come and acknowledge Yahweh, to come to know him, to come near his presence. It was the gathering place for worship. It was the place where God is manifesting himself and it was the place where his presence was revealed in a way that people would know him and it was a place that people would come and draw near to him and what was sung and what was talked about in those places, the sacrifices that were made, the acknowledgments unto the Lord that were given in that place were unique, unlike any other place in the world. It was the place of worship. So the psalmist declares that where the place of worship is, people ought to be gathering together to praise the Lord. They ought to worship him and praise him in that place. So therefore, you and I come together in a place of worship for a purpose of praising the Lord. Everything that we plan on Sunday mornings in the worship and praise of our God is meant to exalt him and point to the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's meant to lift Christ up. It's meant to cause you to do that. I regret the years of my life that I did not understand what was happening in corporate worship. 
I regret that I stood there and did not express my praise to him. I regret that I was not demonstrative in my praise to him. I regret that people around me could not hear my declared praise to him. I regret those years. But I can tell you, those are not my years now. God has opened my mouth. God has given me expression in my praise. And I love it when people hear me sing to my God, those who are close enough to hear. And you ought to be thinking the same way. We come into this place to worship. Where else are you going to worship like you do here? Where else are you going to lift up your voices in praise like you do here? You might do it in your car, but you're not going to do it in any other gathering. So we come in this place with a very purposefulness about praising our God. Listen, there is no easier place for you to praise God than right here among the congregation. Why do I say that? Because everybody ought to be coming for one purpose, to praise God, to lift your voices, to let your anthem be heard, to raise your hands to him, to clap your hands, clap your hands, oh you people, clap your hands, all the earth. Why? Because we're praising God, we're celebrating him, we're acknowledging him. So everything that we plan is for that purpose. He is so worthy of that, isn't he? That we would come in and worship him and praise him. I can't help but think of the lyrics of the hymn of the late 1600s. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty. Uh, when I was at Sanford going to school, that we would sing this old hymn um, uh, many times in chapel. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. Oh, my soul, praise him, for he is your help and salvation. Come all who hear, draw to his temple, draw near. Come join me in glad adoration. It's a beckoning to all those who will acknowledge Christ, the creator, to gather together in, in an anthem of adoration. So Meadowbrook follows the early Christian practice of gathering together on Sunday. There was a movement from the Sabbath day, Saturday, to Sunday gathering together after the resurrection. Once the resurrection took place, everything changed. And there was a gathering of saints together on the resurrection day of the week, on Sunday, for the opportunity to praise the Lord together. Now, sure, we could do it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We could do it any other day of the week. But there's no day like Sunday. Sunday is victory day. Of all the days of the week, Sunday causes us to acknowledge that there is victory in Christ Jesus. Victory over what? Victory over sin. Victory over death. Victory over the grave. Victory over judgment. That God is victorious in Christ Jesus and that Sunday is the day that Christ resurrected from the grave. The day that you and I gather together in corporate worship, it's the day that we come into this place to acknowledge our victory belongs to Christ. It is resting on Christ. Anything that is transforming in me is because Christ is transforming me by the movement of his Holy Spirit and the work that he has already accomplished on the cross of Calvary and through the resurrection. Hallelujah to that. So we gather in this place on Sunday unlike any other day because it is a reminder to us Sunday changes everything. Sunday has changed our lives forever for all eternity. Sunday is different. 
I'm not going to come into this place like it's any old day of the week. No, no, no. This is the beginning of the week. This is the beginning of new life. Sunday is a day unlike any other. So convenience and comfort should have no bearing on our Sunday morning. If you're waking up on Sunday and you're asking yourself or your family, do y'all think we ought to go to church today? You have awakened with the wrong question in your heart. Convenience and comfort have nothing to do with gathering together to praise the Lord. Listen, if you're going to let convenience and comfort be what garners your praise unto the Lord or limits your praise unto the Lord, much of your life will not be lived praising the Lord. You and I gather together because God is worthy of our praise. And we're acknowledging that. And we're acknowledging it as a body when we gather together on Sunday. So convenience and comfort have nothing to do with Sunday mornings gathering together. It's because we must gather together to unite our voices in praise. And I would say personalities and feelings should not restrain our praise in any way. So some of you have an exuberant personality. Some of you wake up giddy. I'm glad you're not in my house, but at any rate, you wake up that way. Kay and I have to have some java before we're even in the mood to think about giddiness. Some of you just wake up that way. Others of you act like you never wake up. So God gives us a variety of personalities. Personality ought to have nothing to do with our praise to God. Everybody, if you've got hands, everybody can raise hands unto our God. If you've got breath and you've got voice, everybody can say hallelujah. Everybody can sing. Everybody can acknowledge him. Everybody can stand. Everybody can sit. Everybody can bow. Everybody can lie down. Whatever the posture that the Spirit of God is prompting you, you ought to do that. And you ought to be praising the Lord regardless of your personality. Our worship and our praise is not an expression of personality. It's an expression of our heart. And a transformed heart with the Spirit of God dwelling within will praise the Lord. Will praise Him. My friends, you should probably never come to me and say, Well, Randy, I can praise the Lord just as well on the river. I can praise the Lord just as well in the tree stand hunting. I've been on the river a good bit, and I've been on a number of hunts. And although I've heard some hooplas, I've heard some hoorays, and I've heard a whole lot of shouts, I have never heard anybody praising the Creator, the Redeemer, the Righteous One, the Perfect Judge, the One who is calling us home, the One who is reconciling all things. I've never heard anybody just spend time singing praises to the Lord because they are prompted to do so. And I've never heard anybody be in a tree stand singing praises to the Lord in a way that encourages other people to praise the Lord and exercises such a praise so that other people are strengthened in their faith. I've never heard of that. You can't do it in the tree stand. You can't do it in the, on the uh, creek bank. You can't do it in the boat. And you can't do it in your living room. 
to the magnitude of the people of God coming together in the place of God to purposefully say hallelujah to God and worship him. It requires us to be together. Does that mean that you can't praise the Lord out there? Sure you can praise the Lord out there. And if I snag a seven or eight or nine pound bass, you can guarantee that I'm going to praise the creator who provided that. But there is nothing that takes the place of us gathering together on Sunday mornings in the place designated for worship to worship and praise our God. And the psalmist knows that. So he says, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord in his sanctuary, in the place where that happens. The corporate worship is absolutely essential. It's essential in the Old Testament where you have these holy convocations that God is requiring of the people of Israel. It's essential in the New Testament as believers are coming together to worship him and to, to share in the teachings of the apostles. It's certainly essential in that time and it's essential today in the church as God gives us very clear instruction, don't not do this. So Meadowbrook needs to have collective gatherings of the saints of God to invoke psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs together, to invoke works of grace and love and kindness, to invoke the way of God. So our Sunday worship services reminds us that we each have an eternal home available for us in heaven, and that's where the saints of God are dwelling. We sing about that. We praise God for that, and the Sunday morning songs are rich, and I can tell you they're one of the highlights of my entire week before God when we sing songs together, but they are nothing but a faint whisper compared to the anthems that are going on in heaven, but they remind us that there is a greater praise that is coming, and our gatherings help believers not to mourn as those who have no hope. We need to encourage the saints towards the resurrection, and our Collectives encourage people who are struggling in sin to press towards the righteousness of Christ and know the new life that is afforded to them by him through his spirit. And our meetings together encourage saints to endure and persevere to the honor of Christ Jesus. And when we come together, we share in our praise to God and our love for God. And as we're doing so, we communicate love to one another. It is absolutely essential that we gather for praise together. We worship our Lord together. I'm so encouraged when the people of God at Meadowbrook gather together to praise the Lord. It's a beautiful thing when we praise the Lord. But it's not all that it could be this morning. I'm so encouraged by you being here. But it's not all that it could have been. We were missing a voice this morning. We were missing the voice of somebody who chose not to be here today, who could have been here today, but just chose not to. I wonder what it would have sounded like today. I wonder what it would have looked like today if that one person had chosen to come. I wonder what it would have been like if 10 people have determined to come and praise the Lord. Would that have made a difference in our singing today? Would it have made a difference in the encouragement of the saints today if just 10 more people had come today? 
Oh my goodness, if it makes a difference if 10 people come, wonder what it would make a difference if 100 more people came today. If the empty seats weren't in this place and 100 people filled the seats today and you could hear the voices of 100 more people or you could see the hands of 100 more people or you could hear the encouragement or the hallelujahs of 100 more people and think what it would be like if you had more than 100. What if you had 1,000 more that came today and we had more than one service or two services because 1,000 people came today to praise God, to raise their hands to God, to acknowledge Him, to express with the breath that God has given to them that He is worthy of our praise. What would it have been like today if a thousand more people had come? You say, well, preacher, can't you just be satisfied? Can't you just be happy with what has come today and know that God has given us this opportunity to praise the Lord? Can't you be satisfied? How can you be satisfied when there is absent voices, when the voices are muted or when the hands are not here to be raised or the praises don't echo in the halls? How can you be satisfied with that? You ought not be satisfied if I'm not here. And I'm not satisfied if you're not here. More importantly, you have to ask, did I satisfy my Lord? By going and lifting my voice and demonstrating my praise to him. Is my God satisfied with the faith that I've demonstrated today and my gratitude? So I pray that the Holy Spirit will soften our hearts that are so filled with self-interest and self-preservation that we don't gather as saints together in the house of God regularly on Sunday morning for the holy convocation that is instructed to us by the Spirit of the living God. May he work in our hearts and may it be evident. So praise is a must when we gather on Sundays. It's not limited, though, to our congregational times, and the psalmist wants us to recognize that. Praise the Lord, praise Him in the sanctuary, and praise Him beyond. He's talking about the expanse. He's talking about the mighty heavens. Praise Him in all places of His creation. Praise Him throughout the universe. I'm so interested in those early astronauts when they went into the heavenlies. And they saw the majestic order of the cosmos. They could not contain their adoration to God. They couldn't help but give praise to our God. And the psalmist has that in mind when he's saying, when you're gathering together in corporate worship, in the place of worship, or when you're out in the creation, in the expanse of the creation, even in the expanse of the heavens, praise him. Praise God. According to Elon Musk, we're all going to have opportunity to do that. I'm not sure that I can't praise him by just looking to the heavens rather than visiting the heavens, but who knows. Let the hallelujahs ring out. But look what he says next. Let praise be the response to the Lord's deeds and greatness. He's saying this incessant praise is in response to God's mighty Deeds and excellent greatness. Now, this is repetitive and intended to be so. Go back with me in your Bible to the 145th Psalm. I just want to point out a couple of Psalms, and I won't hang out here long, but I want you to see what's happening here because there's this unending praise to God when we 
know his mighty deeds, and we acknowledge his excellent greatness. He says in this psalm, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. You want to know what passage to read when you're up in the morning? That's a good one. This is a redirect of your thoughts and your heart and your intention and your purposes of the day. Uh, Monday is a rough day for many, but Monday could be transformed if we get up and say, this is where my heart is given. This is what I'm going to do today. And look what he says in verse 4. It goes beyond just us. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. If you're a father, a mother, if you're an aunt, an uncle, if you're a grandparent, this is the kind of thing that we ought to be talking about forever. When we get into some experience where hallelujah is what is prompted by the Spirit of God, and you're in that moment, stop and give God credit before the generations. When Kay and I are outside and Pierce or Parker are with us, our grandkids, we ought to not just say, how cool is that or how beautiful is that or how fun is that? We ought to acknowledge God and his work and his craftsmanship and his handiness. We ought to praise him and we ought to teach our grandsons how to praise him. Let it be that your grandkids hear from your lips, hallelujah to that. Praise the Lord. And can you believe how incredibly gifted God is? Can you imagine how creative God is that he would create that and a gazillion other things? Could you just teach the generations to acknowledge God and praise him for what he's worthy of praise for? Verse 5, on the glorious splendor of your majesty, on your wonderful works, I will meditate they shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. Let it be that your praise is heard by God and other people. Uh, one more. Uh, go to the next one, 146. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul, I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Now, look what he says. Put not your trust in princes. We could, we could change that a little bit if we wanted to to get the context. Put not your trust in politicians. Put not your trust in the president. Don't put your trust in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Boy, that sort of sets reality up, doesn't it? For all of you who are nationalists, who think that everything's going to change with the next election, don't put your trust in a person that can make plans and those plans die the day he or she dies. Don't do that. Put your hope and your trust in the one who doesn't die, who the one who is eternally alive, who is redeeming all things and full of righteousness and full of love and full of judgment, full of goodness and grace. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord. 
his God who made heaven and earth and sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed. Now look, we're just acknowledging with the psalmist what God is doing. We're talking about his mighty deeds, his, his acts of righteousness. He's executing justice for the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. He opens the eyes of the blind. All that is messianic. All of that is exactly what Jesus said he had come to do. All of that is a, is a proclamation of what the Messiah will accomplish, and Jesus certainly did that. When he arrived in his public ministry, he said, this is what I've come to do. Read it in Luke. It's an amazing section that points back to this text. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. He lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations, praise the Lord. So to be praise-oriented in this way, we have to be spiritually aware and God-conscious. Give God his due for what he is doing with his mighty works. And then finally, let your praise be communicated with music, with dance, and words. I don't know what point in Southern Baptist history somebody decided that Baptists were not supposed to dance. Here's what the psalmist says, by the inspiration of the Spirit of God, let praise be communicated with music, with dance, and with words. And I think what he's saying there is use every available prospect for praise to come from you. If you can sing, sing. If you make noise, make a joyful noise. If you've got breath to declare, then declare it. If you've got movement, move. He gave me two out of the three. If you've been on a date with me, which most of you have not, you would know which one of the ones he didn't give. But if you have musical talent, then use it to the praise of the Lord. If you can play an instrument, do it unto the Lord. Those mentioned in Psalm 150 are all the musical instruments of Israel. Those are the, the chief instrumentation that Israel had. And man, they have significant means by which they proclaim God and his works. We love the instrumentalists and the vocalists here at Meadowbrook who lead us in worship and praise every week. Some of you are talented. God has entrusted to you a talent which he wants you to use for his praise. And some of it ought to be amplified, which means we put a mic in your hand or we put a mic in front of you. And that praise ought to be amplified so that other people hear that. Others of you, we are not going to amplify your <laughs> voice. We encourage you to sing heartily unto the Lord in your car on the way to church. I'm kidding. We all should be singing praises to the Lord when we gather in this place. Just some of us are going to have microphones and others of us are not. We worship him and we praise him. If I could set the hook today, it's not my place, it's the Spirit of God's place. But if I could set the hook, I'd hook some of you who are so richly talented by God to play instruments and sing and to lead others to praise. And I'd hook you into the children's ministry where we have great need for people to do that. 
And I'd hook you into the student ministry where we have great need for that. And I'd hook you into our adult areas of ministry where we constantly have needs. Maybe the Spirit is prompting you even now, saying, oh, I want your praise. With your voice or with the instrument that you play, give him your praise. God has gifted you and use that gift. So the point is, let God, with everything that we have, be acknowledged in his greatness and his praise. Let it be with our talent, let it be with our movements, let it be with our words that God is praised. So what would I ask of you today? Number one, be relational to God through Jesus Christ and the indwelling Holy Spirit. Your praise will come from the relationship that you have with God. And man, is that ever so personal. And so oftentimes our praise is so reflectant of that personal relationship. Sometimes you can't help but just smile before the Lord. Sometimes you can't help but weep before him. Sometimes you can't contain the praise. And sometimes it's just a whisper in your heart. It's because it's very relational. That's where you start personal relationship with him you can only have a personal relationship with him if you reject your sinful ways and come to him for his righteousness ask him to forgive you of your sins ask him for the grace of his righteousness to be credited to you ask him for new life that he can provide through the resurrection the power of the holy spirit alive in you ask him to come into you as you forsake all others and follow him First, be in that relationship. Secondly, in the relationship, have a consciousness of God and the work of God. And when your eyes are open to God and the movements of God and the workings of God, you can't help but be declarative in your words and in your movements and in your music. So with all the expressions that God has given you, praise him as you recognize what he's doing. And then practice your praise. Practice it here. Where else are you going to gather together where people in great numbers are singing praise to the Lord? Where else are you going to raise your hands? You're not going to do it in Walmart, are you? You're going to raise your hands and anthem to the Lord here. So practice it here. There is not an easier place to practice praising the Lord than right here. Practice it here and exercise it out there. As you're exercising your praise, let it be that others hear. You acknowledging from your heart what God is, what he's doing, and how he's at work, teaching the next generations how to rejoice in the Lord. Practice aloud your praise. Now let's pause and pray. In this moment, Lord, we just praise you acknowledging your greatness and your goodness and your mercy and love and your salvation and the hope of your resurrection and your gathering of the saints together again in your presence in heaven. And Lord, we praise you for your goodness. We do it with words. We do it in the meditation of our heart. We do it with our hands. We do it with our feet. We praise you. We rejoice in you. 
We declare with heart, mouth, and intentions. Hallelujah to you, our great Lord. May you forever be praised by your people. In the name of Jesus, amen.